0: John chapter 14, verse number 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? But Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The first two questions of the Heidelberg Catechism, or the, the Baptist version, is called the Orthodox Catechism, But it says, What's, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Second question is, what must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? First, how great my sin and misery are. Second, how I'm free from all my sins and misery. And third, how I am to thank God for such a deliverance. Our only comfort in life and in death is that we belong, body and soul, life and death, to the Lord Jesus Christ who purchased us with his precious blood. On the eve of Christ's great suffering, if we remember the the whole context of this, chapter 13 deals with many terrible, or, or many truths that were, Worrisome to the the disciples. Jesus tells them that he is leaving. Jesus tells them one of them is going to betray them. Jesus tells Peter that he is going to deny him. So just one after another after another hard things that that Jesus tells them in chapter number 13. And so in that conversation, when they learn that Jesus is leaving and they learn that he is going to die, that they learn that he's going to be betrayed, that they, they learn that Peter who's often the the leader and the the spokesman of the group, is is going to betray the Lord Jesus. That same conversation in that same upper room, Jesus looks at him and says, let not your hearts be troubled. The Lord comforts his people. He comforts his disciples in this great time of, of turmoil and anxiousness. Our Lord helps his disciples. And he helps us this morning. He gives comfort to the troubled of mind. He gives encouragement to the fearful. He gives a a perspective by which we need to live this life that there's more to existence than just the pleasures and the things we get out of this life. He gives uh, peace to the faithful disciples. And he gives hope to men who kind of hopeless at this point so this morning I'm going to be preaching a cure for the troubled heart and we'll consider three things Lord willing the the comfort in Christ that we have a home in heaven and we have security in the Savior so we're going to think about those three things from the, the passage this morning Jesus says let not your heart be troubled now being troubled in and of itself is not a sinful thing in fact, if you start in chapter number eleven of John, eleven thirty-three says, "When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, he groaned in spirit and was troubled." Lazarus died, and Jesus was troubled by the situation, the grief, the grieving, and the weeping, and so forth. Chapter twelve, verse twenty-seven: "Now my soul, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me for this hour. For this." Calls came I unto this hour. In fact, there in the upper room, right before Jesus tells his disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. In verse twenty-one, it says, When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and said, Verily, verily I say to you that one of you shall betray me. So chapter eleven, chapter twelve, chapter thirteen, we find that Jesus was troubled in spirit. So we know that being troubled is not sinful. Jesus himself was troubled. But what we have to ask ourselves, are Are we dealing with our troubled spirits? Are we, depending, are we treating our troubled souls in the scriptural way? Are we looking for comfort and assurance and help and rest in the way that the Lord has described for us? Because we have a whole room full of troubled men in this upper room. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't allow your heart to be troubled at this situation. Our Lord is compassionate in that he just says, he doesn't say cut it out, but he says, let not your heart be troubled. Here's why. And he gives them hope. He gives them assurance. Don't let your heart be troubled. And here's the reason why. Jesus gives them comfort here. He gives them the hope, the answer to their troubled hearts. In this situation, it's for them to look to Christ. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You're troubled, but the answer to your trouble is to look to me. The answer to your heartache is to look to me. Jesus was troubled in spirit, for he is about to bear our sins in his own body on the tree. He is about to drink the cup of the wrath of God handed to him by the Father. He is about to suffer as no man suffered for our sins. But Jesus says, I know that you're troubled, but let not your heart be troubled. You look to me. What what a glorious Savior that we have. He looks to the disciples and says, I know that you're troubled, but look to me. I will give you comfort. I will give you rest. I will give you salvation. I will give you peace. Look to me. Even as his soul was troubled even as he is about to die for our sins, he says, look to me because that is the answer for your troubled soul. He gives them the answer to the problem um, even when he is in the midst of, of his own suffering. At the end of the chapter, or towards the end, verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, Give I unto you, let your, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You'll be afraid, but don't let your heart be afraid. Fight against that. You'll be troubled, but, but when you are troubled, return to these words, return to me and let it not be troubled. Don't remain there in your troubled soul, but give it to me. Come to me. Trust in me. Believe in me. Jesus says, you do believe in God. So trust in me also. He says, I and my Father are one. If you you believe in the Father, believe in me. If you trust the Father, trust me. And I am telling you what is about to happen is for the glory of God and for the salvation of your soul. I am with you. I know what is about to happen. And what is about to happen is for your good. Trust me. Look to me and I will give you comfort. See, that's the comfort in this life, to know that that Jesus is in control, that Jesus has purchased our part, that he is with us and will not forsake us. But it's also the comfort in death to know that he died for us and that we can trust him in life and trust him in death. We can trust You know, we have things that we can find comfort in this life, but there's no comfort in our death with those things. A nice big house with lots of comfortable things in the house, that's a comfort in this life. If you've ever gone on a trip and stayed in a hotel for several days in a row, the best thing is just to come home and to be in your own house, in your own bed, that's comfortable. That's that's a nice thing to come back home. But that's not a comfort in your dying hours. But Christ is comfort in our life and he's comfort in our death. He gives us peace in life and he gives us peace with God when we die. Trust in the Lord. Jesus says, put your trust in me. Believe in me. And Jesus is the only man that can say that and you can can rest your soul on it. I can say, trust me and I could really mean for you to trust me, but I'm prone to to fail. I'm prone to fall. Things happen that are out of my control. But when Jesus says, trust me, when Jesus says, look to me and believe in me, there is no situation that can change his plans. There there is nothing in this world, above the world or below the world, that can rip us from the love of, of God that we have in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from that love. There is no situation that could arise that would take the Lord Jesus by surprise. There is no power that is stronger than Christ. There is no uh, enemy that could overcome Christ. So when you say, when you trust in Jesus, and he says, believe me, I'm going to tell you this truth, believe me, you can trust him. Every person who has ever trusted Jesus has found him to be the perfect Savior. No one has ever come to Christ and found him lacking. No one has ever believed in Jesus and and said, well, you're not all that you said that you were. All people who have come to him and believe him have found him to be that true and perfect Savior. You can trust him to always care for you. You can trust him to always love you. You can trust him to never forsake you. You can trust him that even when the times are at their worst, he is for your good. Isaiah 26 3 um, is a precious verse. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in me. God can give us perfect peace when our mind is fixed upon him, when our mind is looking to him, when our heart is, is overflowed with trouble, we can pour our griefs out to him. And know that he hears us and that, that he will not be with us. To know that he has saved our souls, that he is in control of all things, has ordained all things to come to pass. And we can rest in his promises and rest in his sovereignty and rest in his power, rest in his peace that he's done for us. So those disciples didn't know what was about to happen. But Jesus says, I know you're troubled, but don't let your heart be troubled. Trust me. Trust me. So Jesus comforted the disciples. But now he's about to leave. He told them that he was about to leave and where he was going, they can't follow him. Peter said, why can't I follow you? I'll lay down my life for you. He said, no, not now. In fact, you'll deny me before the cock crows three times. But let not your heart be troubled. I'm leaving, and in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'd go to prepare a place for you. The disciples had left everything to follow Jesus. They'd left their business, they'd left their, um, you know, their families, and they, they had gone all in with Jesus. Now Jesus says, I have to leave. Where will they go? What will they do? Well, Jesus tells them of the Father's house. He said, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving for your good, for your benefit. I'm going to the Father's house, and I'm going to prepare a place for you there. The Father's house is a, a permanent place There's a place where there's security and peace and safety Events in this life can make us have to leave. We might have we might think that we're going to live in a certain place for the rest of our lives. You might go and build a house and say I want to grow old and I, I want to grow old and die here. Well, it might be a few years where something will happen and you're not living there anymore. You might lose a job, fire. How many people lost everything in floods and, and natural disasters, tornadoes will come through and not just destroy a house, but a whole community, a whole town will just be completely wiped off the map. We might desire to to live in a place, but we don't know uh, what what is to come. So many things in this sin-cursed world that can disrupt what we would desire. But Jesus says, they're in the Father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. That place can't be touched by disasters. It can't be touched by inflation. Uh, There's nothing that can take away uh, there's no thief that can break in. There's no one that can go and rob or steal or, or take away. No rust or to, to deteriorate. No termites to destroy. There is the place of peace. And Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare that for you. A godly man wants to provide for his family and protect his family. How much more so the Heavenly Father who chose us before the foundation of the world that we should dwell with him, who before the world was created chose us unto love in Christ Jesus, that we would be before him in love. And, and Christ came and died for us. And, and how much more for his adopted children would, does the Father uh, provide for us? This is an eternal home, a happy home, a peaceful home, a joyful home. Heaven is not just a place where loved ones are. This is the the Father's house that is provided for us. The place where He has provided eternal rest. How often we we labor, how often our hearts are troubled, how often we we work and and strive and and weep and are heart sick over problems and, and shed tears over our our loved ones, our family members who who we want to see going in the right way, our own sins that bring problems upon ourselves, and we just desire peace. We desire that happy, peaceful, joyful home. Well, we have it there in the Father's house. And Jesus says, don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare that place for you. When Jesus says, my Father's house, that reminds me of our adoption into the family of God. The Bible describes our life now as a pilgrimage, as a journey, that we're citizens in heaven, but we're, we're strangers and pilgrims here, as, as Peter says, or aliens, foreigners, and we're just passing through. We're not, we're, we're pilgrims, pilgrims, traveling from one place to another. And so we stopped here for a little while in our pilgrimage, but we're still, we're still on our journey home. But we're the aliens here in this sinful world. We speak a different language, so to speak. We have different, we have different points of view. We have different uh, mindsets. You know, I can look out into this sinful world and say, this whole world is crazy. Well, this whole world is blinded by sin. And don't even really oftentimes understand the the problems that they have with their own way of thinking. And and we have different allegiances. We have different loves. Different hopes. And... We are strangers here into a, into a uh, in a wicked world. That is why all that live godly suffer persecution because we are we are strangers and pilgrims here. But in the Father's house there will be no more strangers. There will be no more foreigners, but fellow citizens. You won't be ostracized for what you believe in the Father's house your heart won't start beating a little bit quicker whenever somebody brings something up and you know that the whole group is going to start to, to give you a hard time about the biblical truth. You won't have to be like Peter standing by that fire with all those soldiers and, and in the back of his mind, do I, do I say that I'm with Jesus or do I deny him and, and have the, that struggle? You will be among family. You will be among the family of God at peace. No one is going to ask you questions to try to trip you up. There's not going to be um, people with different motives and different uh, uh, desires, worldviews to live with, so forth. But there will be with family. There, there will be at peace. There will be with those who have the same loves and speak the same language and, and want the, the same thing that is the glory of our, our God. And it's there we'll have lasting peace and lasting rest. In the Father's house, there is a home. No more strangers, but there with our Father and, and our elder brother and the sons and daughters of God. There the lonely won't be lonely anymore. Those that have lived lives without mothers and fathers, won't be fatherless anymore. There, those who have, have lost will be restored. Those who have been rejected will be embraced. Those who have walked as outcasts and hated in this world for Christ's sake will be rewarded and, and, and blessed there. The Father's house Uh, will be filled with those who have been mocked and ridiculed for their love of Christ. Those who were poor and wretched for their love of Christ and hungered and thirsted after righteousness will be filled there in the Father's house. Those who had no peace in this world will have peace everlasting in the Father's house. Those who don't have joy in the perishing things of this life will have everlasting joy there in the Father's house. Those who have wept, their tears will be dried. Those who hope and pray will see those fulfilled. They are in our Father's house. Jesus left the Father's house and came into the sin cursed world. And there the disciples are are troubled, and, and Jesus says, Trust me. Trust me, I'm going to prepare a place for you. They're in the Father's house. If you could only take this and grasp what is happening here, if you could only understand the joy that awaits you, that would give you the courage to press on. You don't have to die for your sins. You don't have to face the judgment of God. I'm doing that for you. Believe in me and know that you are secure in me. That, that when you die, your sins are forgiven and you go to be with the Lord. we could only grasp what God has for us, the reality of that and live with that sure hope and assurance that we have a place in the Father's house. A home with the Lord. A son. A family awaits for us there in glory. We have comfort in Christ. We have a home in heaven. And we have security in our Savior. Jesus says he goes and prepares a place. I will come again in verse 3. Or verse 2 rather. He said, I would have told you if it were not so. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself. That where I am there ye may be also. Jesus said, if this wasn't the case, I would have, I would have told you. Jesus has already proved himself to be trustworthy to the disciples. How many times has Jesus corrected the disciples? They would say something wrong, and he would set them straight. Their hope would be something else, and he would put them back on the right track. John chapter thirteen. He says, "Not all of you, all of some of you are clean, but not all of you. Not all of you have your sins forgiven." That's a hard truth. One of you is going to betray me. That's a hard truth. Jesus told him he was going to leave and die. That's a hard truth. Jesus told Peter, you're going to betray me. That's a hard truth. Now Jesus says, don't be troubled. If this wasn't true, I would have told you. We can believe Jesus. Jesus would not let us go on believing a falsehood. He would have told us. That's why I believe that In the one reason why, anyway, I believe in the literal uh, millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Christ, because that's what the disciples were looking for. That's what they were believing in. And Jesus would have told them, you're completely 100% wrong. That was all an allegory. Don't believe that. No, he he just tells them now is not the time. He would have told us. If there wasn't a... A heaven, if there wasn't a home for us, he would have told us. There's a place for me, because Jesus said there was. And Jesus says, as sure as I'm telling you, it's there, and as sure as it's there, I'm coming back. If there were no heavenly home, if there were no place for us, he would have told us. The Father's house is as real as this church building, it's a real place. Not a state of mind, not a feeling, not a metaphor for something else. It is a real place. Because Jesus said that he was going there and preparing it, and he's going to come again. He said, if it wasn't true, if it wasn't real, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Well, in verse 33 of chapter 13, Jesus said, A little while I'm with you, you shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, Whether I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, Jesus says, I'm leaving. That upsets Peter. He says, well, what can I go? How come I can't go? Just imagine there, that Jesus says, I'm leaving, you can't follow me. You can't come with me. And all the things that are rolling through their minds. Jesus says, I'm going to go, but I'm going to go prepare a place for you. He goes first to the cross. Well, first he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Then he's betrayed. Then he goes to the trial. Then He goes to the cross where they nail Him there, hands and feet, and lift Him up above the earth. He goes to drink the wrath of God in those hours of darkness. He goes to suffer for our sins in His own body on the tree. As He he goes to die as the Lamb of God, our propitiation, He offers Himself an atonement for sin. He offers Himself as a substitute for our sins. They take him off the cross and they lay his body in the tomb. And three days later, he arises from the tomb. He rises from the grave and he goes and he sits down at the right hand of the Father. I've gone to prepare a place for you. He prepares the way through his own death, burial and resurrection. He prepares the way through his own sacrifice. He prepares the way through His own blood. And then He prepares the place. For you, He goes for us. He, died, he lived for us. He died for us. And He goes and He intercedes for us and prepares a place for us. He has gone to prepare a place for us. And it's not the kind of thing that you tell somebody. I've told people that, you know, if you're traveling through, you need a place to stay. My home is always open. Come and stay anytime. Just just drop in if you need to. You can stay with us anytime. You're, you're welcome here. That's not what Jesus is saying. He goes to prepare a place for us. A place where we'll dwell. A place where we'll live. A place where... We will we'll rest, not out of compulsion, not because he has to, not because you feel obligated to. Somebody uh, shows up to your house, you feel obligated to, to provide for him and, and, and so forth. Um, you do it. You might do it out of love, but you also do it because you have that obligation. When Jesus does this, because he loves us, because the Father loves us, and we will be received In heaven, when we die, we'll be received in heaven, loved of God, loved of the Father, loved of the Son. death is a terrible thing for us, but it is precious in the sight of God for for his child has come home. His child has come to dwell with him. He has gone to prepare a place for us and there he has come. And whenever uh, we go, we will be with him. But he's also coming back. Some of us uh, may be alive when the Lord returns. And, and when He comes again, He will receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Whether through death or the return of the Lord, we will be with Him. Where He is, that's where it will be. Christ wouldn't go and prepare a place and then leave it empty. He didn't go and prepare a place for every person who's ever lived, just in case. And then, Jesus said said himself, few there be that find it. So did Jesus go and prepare a place for every person who's ever lived, and and then heaven's just going to be a ghost town, however many empty places. No, he goes and prepares a place for his people. I go prepare a place for you, he said, talking to the disciples and talking to us. He goes to prepare a place for us. You may, you can take assurance in this. Assurance in the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you may gain more in assurance and have more faith in the work of Christ. You may get more confident that Jesus' word is true. You may be more convinced that, of your salvation. But you'll never be more secure in Christ. You can learn more. You can get more assurance. But you can't get more saved. You can't get more secure in Christ. You are safe. Your heart and mind may become strengthened in the realities of scripture. In the realities of your position in Christ. But you don't become more secure in Christ. Just because you feel more secure. That That assurance comes Partly in part by looking to Jesus and what he has done for you. And so if you lack assurance, it's because you're not looking to Christ. Because in verse four and six, Jesus tells them that you know the way. And Thomas says, Lord, we, not, we, didn't, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Poor Thomas here. John Trapp said, Thomas is like a man looking for his keys when he has them in his pocket. I'm sure no one's ever done that, had their keys in their pocket looking around for them, or had their glasses on top of their head looking for their glasses. I've had my keys in my hand before looking for them. Um, But that's what Thomas is like. Thomas is looking at the way and says, I don't know the way. Be like on be on Interstate 79 saying, I don't know how to get to Interstate 79. Well, you're on it. Thomas says, I don't know the way. Looking at Jesus, and Jesus says, Well, sure you do. I'm the way. Look to me. Trust me. Thomas was doubting. Thomas was worried that he's going to be lost. Jesus was going to leave him. Well, how is he going to know the way if, if his Lord isn't there to show him the way? If his Lord isn't there to, to help him, Thomas. Trust Jesus because he's following Jesus. But Thomas is worried, well, if you go, how will I know the way? Well, Thomas, it's the same way as you're following now. Trust me. Look to me. I am the way. Thomas says, I want to go to the Father's house. I want to be with you. I want the joy. I want the peace. But how can I get there? Well, look to Christ. When people doubt their salvation, many times it's because they're looking for their keys when they're in their pocket the whole time. They look to their works, they look and measure their fruit, they look to their feelings, they look to signs, they look to to everything else but Jesus. And sure, if you look at if you just keep looking at your sins and if you keep looking at yourself. And you never look to Christ, well, of course you're not going to have assurance. Or if you're if you're living in sin and you're not living like you ought to be living, well, of course you're not going to have assurance because you're far from Christ. You know, that, that's where the that's where if you sin, you 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 lose that assurance that you have because you're so far away from Jesus. Jesus is the answer to our assurance. He says, "I am the way." I'm the truth, I'm the life. You want to know how to get to heaven? I'm the way. You want to know the truth of the way to get there? I'm the truth. You want life everlasting? Well, I'm the life. The answer to doubt is to look to Christ. The answer for more assurance is to look to Christ. The answer for our sins is to look to Christ for forgiveness. The answer to death is to look to Christ who defeated it. Jesus made the way of reconciliation for us. He prepared the place. He pre- prepared the way. He gives us life. He gives us peace. It's all been done. It's all been accomplished for us. <clears throat> Jesus was troubled as he goes to the cross. And he says, "Let not your heart be troubled. What I'm about to do, I'm going to do it for you, and I'm accomplishing it on your behalf, that you don't have to face the wrath of God, that you don't have to suffer for your sins." You don't have to be judged for your sins because I am dying for you. I am saving your souls. Trust me. The whole world may look black and and, and dim. The whole world may be turned upside down. Some of you in just a few short years will, will suffer persecution and die. Let not your heart be troubled. You'll be scattered abroad, but let not your heart be troubled. You will be thrown in prison, but let not your heart be troubled. You will be persecuted. Let not your heart be troubled. In your dying breath, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Trust me. You want to go to the Father's house? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way. There's no other way to the Father's house. There's no other method to get there. There's no other road. There's no other truth. There's no other way to life but by Jesus. If you're troubled in heart, you need to turn to Jesus. If you want the Father's house, come to Jesus. Christ has made the way into the Father's house. And all that come to Him, all that cry out to Him for mercy and forgiveness, in true faith He will in no wise cast out not now and not forever the only way that we could lose is if Christ failed us that is the point that's the encouragement here that's the assurance here because it all rests on Jesus our hope for heaven falls or fails or succeeds in the hands of Jesus he is our representative He is our head. And he says, I'll go and I'll go and be the champion for them. I'll go and, and substitute myself for them. Who else would we rather have to, to be our substitute, to be our representative than the Lord Jesus? And it all rise and falls with him. And he goes and he succeeds. He succeeds. And where he is, that's where we'll be. He rose from the dead victorious and goes to the right hand of the Father, and that's where he's at. And and if you put your faith and trust in him, that's where you'll be also. So what's your only comfort in life and in death? That I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who has paid fully for all my sins with his precious blood And set me free from the tyranny of the devil. Because I belong to him. Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of everlasting life. And makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Let not your heart be troubled this morning. Believe in Christ.